The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your hosts, Ray Austin and J.D. Harris, are getting the discussion together, so it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you, too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of The Man Cave, J.D. Harris and Ray Austin. Thank you very much, Alejandra. I'm calling her Alejandra Reese and uh, Tyrus because this weekend, your boy went down to Mexico and was surprised I crossed the border and got back. I uh, went to Rocky Point, got me some big old scrimps and fish tacos and stuff like that and got hustled by kids and adults and midgets. So it was a good time. What, what, <laughs> I deserve the midgets or the to hustle? To get hustled. <laughs> hey, put it like this. I wanted to take some pictures of the border for uh, the right wingers to see, you know, when they, you know what, what's going on at the borders, man. Any, I see why people get in. <laughs> Cass was texting, chilling. I mean, you had the uh, Jay. Looks like we lost you. You lost me, Maurice. You still there? I'm still here. Can you uh, hear me? Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like everybody's lost. No, you're me. lost. <laughs> <laughs> you're lost at the border. <laughs> so anyway, uh, went over there. Border patrol cars broke down and stuff, but it was a great weekend. Quick getaway. Anytime y'all come out here, Reese. Tyrus, got to go down. If you can spend a, a good amount of time, I'll take you down to Rocky Point. Uh, you, you'll enjoy it. It's like a mini Cancun, for like, except for it's only three hours away. That's cool. So what y'all get into this weekend? What you get into, Reese? Uh, nothing much. I just uh, drove back, got back into Tennessee on uh, Sunday evening, Um had a chance to stop down in Champaign on the way back. I hadn't been on campus for about uh, almost 12, 13 years. Dang. Well, that was cool, you know, because that's where Eric and I met. And uh, it was just good to take the kids out there and walk around a little bit and see all the changes that have been made and all the buildings that have been added and kind of puzzled at uh how you know the state of Illinois can uh, talk about not having money, and the university can talk about not having money, but yet you know I go down there, I see all these uh, new builds and whatnot. So kind of funny, but hey, that's Illinois for you. There you go, and you know uh, Nick was down there in Champaign this weekend too. Uh, Tyrus, you there? I'm listening. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, now I know what you did the other day, so won't you uh, go ahead and tell our audience what you were up to? Which day are you referring to? I just got back in. Yeah, yeah, your uh, ninja training and stuff like that. T- t- oh, t- yeah. Explain man. what you do, yeah, man. Yeah. So <laughs> I, you know, I went to the Forest Preserve out in Chicago. There are these legendary hills that uh, the football players schedule to run. So I took my children out to the hills and made them run the hills. My five-year-old has a motor that won't quit. Everybody else falling out, falling down the hills, rolling, collecting hay. And he's sprinting up the hills. 
Then I took him over to the sleds, and he attempted to hit the sleds. Daddy still got it. You know, I went out there and laid those sleds out, but uh, he couldn't move them yet. He's only five. I'm giving him two more years, then we got to talk about a replacement. But um, so that's what we did, man. We had a good time. It well, was fun, man. See, you guys got to know this. First of all, you got to know that Tyrus's wife, she was in Arizona, correct? I'm saying that again. Does she live in Arizona? Oh, no, she was away. She was away for when you had the kids. Oh, yeah, she was in Iowa. She, she was, was in Iowa. Iowa. Not, not to mention, Tyrus, please tell the age of the rest of your children and genders so they understand when every, who's going through ninja training. Oh, okay, okay. So, <laughs> so we got Nia, who's six. We got Troy, who's five. We got Tori, who's five, the twins. And then we got Donovan, who's two. And so... Hey, they're old enough to walk. They're old enough to hit those hills. So <laughs> took them to the forest preserve, and they hit the hills, man. That's what we do. All right, you got to start somewhere. So, uh, so there to protect the future fort of the Gouchers, and he, 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 you guys, if you don't follow him and see his art and all this stuff, you got to because Tyrus has his boy cracking up all the time. <laughs> so anyway, man, have you guys been following? ESPN or everybody still in that vacation mode? No, I'm up to date, man. I've been following and, and catching up to everything. Yeah, I've been on it myself, so uh, you know, I, I don't think anything has slipped by me. Uh, I guess me, I can't lie. I was watching people run the coast of the shore and run to try to chase down and get some rip off some people but other than that i didn't see any athletic things taking place uh so but anyway i, I noticed going into the nfl first of all i want to just uh give my condolences to the stabler family uh losing the stake uh stabler and then also uh something a little bit personal i have uh Juwan dawson he was from tulane he was a beast of a receiver uh was balling out, uh, was, I uh, think, a third-round pick for us at Cleveland and went on. He played three years in the league, but just a real good player and a real good guy. And uh, I guess he got lost in a boating accident this past weekend in Dallas. So I just want to give my prayers and condolences out to his family. Um, but then today, for those cowgirl, I mean cowboy fans, uh, they're a little excited. They got their boy Dez. Did you see this contract, fellas? No, what, what's the contract? I didn't, I didn't see that part. Yet. It was what, five years, 75 mil, five years, 80 million, 75 uh, guaranteed? Yeah, it was, I thought it was 70 million guaranteed. Uh, something like, along those lines, and then Demarius Thomas signed today, too, and his uh, contract was somewhat reflective of what Dez got. If you were okay. to compare the two, who do you think is worth the money, more money? Hmm. If you're a GM. We got on your GM hats is your boss's money that you signing and your job and how you feed your kids is on the line. Which guy do you take and why? I'll let Tyrus tackle that. Oh, yeah. Throw me out there, huh? I'm going to say Des Bryant. Now, here's why I say it. Not just the physical aspect, but his leadership ability and how he is the lifeblood of the Dallas Cowboys right now. He's, the, he's a playmaker. Everything about him is exciting. At any moment, he can make a play that can change the game. And so I think it goes beyond, like, the ability. And now we have to talk about that intangible, the, the one thing that you can't see. And that's just that spark, that, that X and O that he has that's irreplaceable. So he was able to negotiate the way he was able to negotiate because of that. 
Because remember, Dallas said, we're not renegotiating. We're not going to give you this money. Uh, you know, do what you got to do. He was threatening. He sit out for the first few games of the season. I mean, this guy was, his feet were dug in. Well, the reason why was because he knows what he brings to the Cowboys. Reese, what do you think about that one? No, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's just, you know, to me, with, with uh, Denarius and, and Dez, and you can throw Calvin Johnson, it, it's like splitting hairs. I mean, it, e- either way, you, you're going to get a, a, a top-flight quality receiver. Uh, big guys can make plays, you know, down the field and across the middle. Uh, so I, I, I don't think there's a, a drastic difference between uh, one thing that uh, Tyrus had mentioned was basically his motor, and that might be the only difference that I can see, his motor and his his uh, outward passion. But, you know, I, I think that can be a pro and a con at the same time. So, so and I, what I'm going to... I agree with you, yeah. Go oh, go ahead. Go ahead, J.D. Oh, so well, for, for me... Oh, go ahead, Tyrus. No, I agree with you because we could look at Terrell Owens, who at one point, he was the same way. He was like the lifeblood of the 49ers, even when he went over to the Eagles initially. But the same thing that he had was the thing that was destroying the team to the point where he became a pariah in NFL. I mean, he had at least four more years left to play, but he was so disruptive that no one wanted to let him play at all. They don't even, he's not a coach. He's not doing anything. And so I think what you said, uh, Maurice is absolutely correct. The same thing that makes you is the same thing that could break you. Yeah. And that's, and and that's where I'm going to go in with my GM hat, uh, because chemistry in the locker room, is just as important to playing on the field. And uh, if I had to go ahead and compare the two, I feel like, yeah, Des Bryant has more upside, but I've seen Demarius play solid, no complaints, with Tim Tebow at quarterback. Then he goes to Peyton Manning, uh, which you get polar opposites, extremes, you know, where Peyton Manning is going to cuss you out, he's going to ride you, and you know that you just – you just wanted to you you a boy and he's the man, whereas Tim Tebow he's just like okay I can't throw you the ball I'm gonna throw somewhere near that area maybe on the field you gotta make it happen and make it happen and so for that I think their upsides are similar I would go with the safer bet is Demarius um, just because it has been the consistency. It hasn't been an off-field trouble, and he's found a way to jail with multiple people. And so, to me, that would have been the uh, final factor in that my decision, personally, if I were going to pay one more than the other um, and guarantee money, because I still think, like, you know, all the things that they had to do with Dez to hope that, you know, he stays out of trouble before he gets his, you know, second contract. And so, and I, I'm like, you get a guy more money, and he isn't as consistent with it with the first contract. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I, you know, you, you you brought up something that's really important: leadership. Who's leading determines how a receiver behaves and acts, right? And so you see a team who has a weak leader. And not necessarily that they're a bad person. You talk about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow's a pretty good dude. I mean, he's he's not the greatest quarterback ever, but his leadership ability, that's what I would question when you put him on par with Peyton Manning, as long as his athletic as well as his athleticism. But a guy like Peyton Manning can command respect among alpha males. A guy like Tim Tebow, he can't. He can't walk into a room full of the best at their position and tell them what to do. Just think about that. So 
<clears throat> that's something that Dez is dealing with. And I, I kind of give him a pass because of Tony Romo. I mean, you know, he's Tony Romo, right? He's a guy who falls down. He finds a way to fall down every single time. Right, see, so. See, but and that's what I'm saying with Demarius. Demarius, mm-hmm. coming from Georgia Tech, I don't know if you guys follow Georgia Tech, but they're mm-hmm. primarily an option offense, even mm-hmm. though they had two stud receivers come out of there with Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas. But those guys, I don't, I mean, having coach-wide receivers, receivers, they are the prima donnas of a team. If you look at throughout the history of the NFL, who are the problem makers? The Chad Ocho Sinkles and people's the perception of them. The Chad Ocho Sinkles, the Randy Mosses, the Joey Porters, you, you know, Deshaun Jackson supposedly. You know, all these people are typically wide receivers. Ray Caruth, uh, ah, Steve, Steve Smith. I mean, <laughs> hey, I just, you just stuck that one in there, right? Wow. <laughs> you just said Ray Caruth and said wide receivers, and that would have been enough. Hey, but my point is, as you can see, Demarius Thomas, with the frustration, when you're a wide receiver and can't get the rock, nothing's more for, uh, frustrating. And then you have a Tim Tebow that, okay, you're going to throw 10 times a game and your targets might be four times and two of them are going to hit the ground. That's a, a he not complain and still show leadership. I, that's where I give him the edge a little bit over Tebow. But we're, we're going to go into break and we're going to elaborate a little bit more on some things with football and other sports. And uh, I, it's going to be interesting, though, uh, to see if Dez does what he's supposed to do in Dallas now that he got paid. We're guaranteed. So we'll be back in a bit. Come back to the man cave. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to jdharris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, we are back. We are back. We are back. 
wow, it's still playing. It's like the song that won't ever want to go. Uh, so anyway, we're back talking about uh, the NFL. One of the things I got to talk about is these mugs that are out there, you making all this money and making just unwise decisions. Um, I had, I'll give you an example of when I worked with the Bears, we had a, a running back by the name of Robert Chauncey. This mug was driving some, uh, Marcus Robinson's motorcycle and had a bag of McDonald's in the other hand. Mind you, he was a baseball player, never even played college football. Falls off the motorcycle, skins up his shoulder. Well, over the 4th of July weekend, we had Jason uh, Pierre-Paul, who's about to sign his second contract, which is usually your money contract, and he blows up his fingers messing with fireworks, and we had another young man from the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, the Giants rescinded on their offer to Pierre-Paul, and he has to have his finger amputated. Man, what is going on, Tyrus? <laughs> well, I, so everybody's jumping on this guy and they say, oh, what a dumb thing, what a dumb thing. But, you know, fireworks are a cultural things. So let's talk about that, first of all, where if you grew up in the inner city, First of all, you're doing fireworks two weeks before the 4th of July, sometimes three weeks before, and you're doing this as a kid. So this is a rite of passage. It's the excitement of, I'm going to light something that's similar to dynamite in my hand and throw it and get away from it, right? This is what alpha males do anyway. This is living on the edge, being excited, taking risk. This is it. It's all culminated in one holiday. You don't get this from Thanksgiving. You don't get this from Christmas. You only get it on the 4th of July. And if you do Halloween right, maybe. All right. So let's let's start off by realizing that. So now he's an NFL player. Is he supposed to no longer want the thrill? Is the, the fact that he has a contract, does that eliminate the, the desire for, for excitement. I don't think it does. Now, it's dumb to you and I. I, I get that. I get, yeah, he should have, he should have, but it's the same as somebody riding a motorcycle. The likelihood of you getting hurt on a motorcycle is pretty high in comparison to a car. So let's thrash any athlete who's riding a motorcycle or anybody who goes skiing. It's the same thing. It's just a different bucket, right? So he makes a mistake and he injures his hand, possibly loses his fingers. And everybody's like, oh, that was dumb. That was dumb. That was dumb. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but Tyrus? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> look, look. Wait, I, want wait, you to tell, I want you to tell your wife that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Listen, I am not the author to speak on that type of thing because I was on the 4th of July holding bottle rockets in my hand, lighting them and <laughs> letting them out in front of my kids to show my kids this is how you really celebrate the 4th. Now, <laughs> now, that's a true story. Now, this year, I didn't throw any... Didn't throw any firecrackers or, you know, you know, you light them and throw them. I didn't do that. I haven't done that in a couple of years. And I haven't touched the M80 in about 12 years. So I'm pretty proud of myself. But the desire is there. So I'm hoping that my son is awesome enough to want to take over that uh, and, and that he does it. I mean, like, when did, okay, so when did popping fireworks become crazy? When, when did that happen? I say once I realized that it could mess up my future and I'm thinking of it from also touching with your hand because I used to as a kid I was foolish but like I said as a kid I actually had a firecracker blow up in my hand before I have too very painful yeah numbness lasts for two or three days right yeah I mean it wasn't the smartest thing I ever did but it made you a better man didn't it (laughs) there you go there you go you became a little when you went to the bathroom, I don't care if you were nine years old, you walked to the bathroom, and there was hair on your chest. 
taco meat. Bam. <laughs> Reese, what about you? Man, <laughs> let me tell you. You know, I, I was talking to my wife about this uh, last week. I, you know, I did not fool around with fireworks. You know, I watched from a distance. You know, I, I wasn't the the kid that was lighting them, and I, I just didn't have a thrill. You know, didn't find a thrill in it. And even with uh, firework displays, you know, I took the kids to Six Flags when we were out there. But it, you know, those things really don't thrill me. I, 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 maybe when I was younger, you know, oh yeah, you know, look at the colors, look at the, the shapes, or whatever. But you know, it really didn't thrill me. I remember uh, vacation in, in uh, when we went to Mississippi on vacation, and my cousins and their friends would be out there throwing the firecrackers at each other. They oh, sound awesome. They sound awesome. Dumb. Nah, man. <laughs> oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. You know, that can hit somebody in the eye, can can rip a you know rip off a limb or whatnot, and we're talking big stuff. You know. Oh, it's crazy, yeah, man. I, I, I've never gotten into it. See, when I was younger, we used to shoot the Roman candles at each other and stuff like that in the bottle rockets. We would put our Star Wars men on. I get it as a kid. And I, like, I'm also the guy that played chicken with knives and made blow, t- blow torches and stuff like that with the aerosol cans. That's right. That's Good what stuff. you that's, that's right. That's what you do. You, if you didn't die, almost die during the summer, you didn't live as a boy to me. Now, as an adult, because when I was back home, I went to my parents' yard, and their neighbors, I was like, man, I thought I was in a war zone. I mean, it was just stuff blowing up. Like, like normally you had to go to the beach or the Navy Pier or Six Flags to see what I saw in my parents' yard. That was a whole nother story. But then I started thinking about I'm more of the school where you are, Reese. At this point in my life, as a man, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't throw me anymore. I mean, I'm not impressed. I've seen 41 or 40-something years of fireworks, or 38, I'm going to lie. I saw 29 years of fireworks. (laughs) And, and, you know, at this point, it's like, okay, what's next? So, but I don't think I should lose my man card over this, Tyrus. I still still carry guns. That's debatable. I still carry guns, and I shoot them. I would like to shoot them in 4th of July, but you can't shoot them in Arizona straight in the air because you'll get an automatic five years in prison. Wait, wait, wait. So so check this out. Now listen to this. Let's do the logic here. You're okay with shooting guns, but not with lighting fireworks? Absolutely. My stage of manhood has increased. but, But here's the thing. It's still risky, right? It's a different kind of risk. Okay. It's still cal- risky. It's, it's calculated. It's risky to own a gun. Is it? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think so. Wait, because if that's the case, it's risky now, to listen, have a knife. A gun. I'm not. I'm not. I own a gun. I own several now. But statistically, <laughs> the likelihood of something going bad in your house increases when you own a gun. Right? Can't argue against that. So they say. So they say, okay. Because you know, we know, we know, sti- true. we know we can make statistics work in any, any way we want to. Depends on which group is trying to pro- uh, proposition uh, or their approach. But I will say this if that's the case, it's risky to own a knife in your house. And I do have several of those besides my kitchen ones. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, at, be, we're in a man cave, so we're going to have these discussions. But I would say, yeah, at, like, I don't think it's as risky owning your gun as it is throwing fireworks with your bare hands. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, getting back to, you know, Pierre Paul, I mean, 
New York, the Giants rescinded the contract. Now, how much money is he going to lose? Uh, you know, that's that's the thing. You know, what I'm saying this is this may have been his last substantial payday. Exactly. You know, I, I don't know how old he is, but we have to really look at this and and the wisdom in all of it. I mean, you know that this may be your last contract. Your your alignment, so you use your hands and your fingers. To, to lock somebody up and get them off of you, you know, whatever, you know, swim technique or whatever, whatever, you, 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 you use your hands. So I'm like, why take that risk? This may be your last contract, your last substantial contract. So what type of financial hit is he going to take because of this decision? You know, regardless of whether it was something that he grew up doing in his youth, but there, there comes a time and a place where, Look, wisdom has to trump. You know, he could have uh, waited a, a year. <laughs> you know, do do that next year. But make sure you get that money. Make sure you sign your name on that line and get that guaranteed money. Because right now, I'm like, if I'm the Giants, look, man, veteran minimum. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. They're not going to do them like that. But you're dumb enough to do that. Exactly. You know, what, what makes you? What makes us think? that you're not dumb enough to do something else. And here's the other thing. It's a non-football-related injury, and something like that will go against his contract anyway. So if he signed it or if he did it next year, it will still have an effect. So, yeah. and, and going back to your school of thought, Reese, I'm like, if he's not smart, wise enough to know not to do this and take that type of risk, what else is he capable of doing? And See, but I mean, that's, that's unfair. Well, what you're saying is unfair. So if we look at his history, is that the case? No, it's not. He do, he hasn't been taking a lot of risks. He hasn't made a lot of mistakes. He's not a quote unquote knucklehead. So to say, if he if he made a bad decision here, this tells you he's not worth signing because he makes bad decision is unrealistic and unfair. You, but, you don't you don't measure a man's history. You just take one incident and say, oh, all right, this guy's an idiot. Well, Ray Carruth had one incident. No history of incidents. I, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know about that. No, no, he did. He, he, he I mean, didn't. But what I'm saying okay. is, you because there's so many people that would quote unquote give their finger to play in the NFL, and he gave his finger being in the NFL. I just think that for me, uh, and knowing how many people try to get in, think about this: you, how many people you know that you grew up with. And ourselves that wanted to make it to the professional sports, so you're at that, you're at that pinnacle, you're at that apex to be there, or you're there, and you can set yourself for the rest of your life. All you have to do is chill out for one to ten years, and you'll be straight. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Mean, go ahead. Same thing. I mean, we can look at the whole Plexico Burris situation. You know. Number one, you got a gun in a club. Carrying a gun is illegal in New York. You know what I'm saying? Number Which two, is stupid, the by the way. Goes, yeah. And number two, the gun goes off in the club. You're fortunate that it really didn't hit a, a, a an artery and you lost you know, tons of blood and died in the club. I mean, so it's like these type of decisions, man. It's like. Right, but, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're, we're taking an ESPN stance and not a. I'm from the south side of Chicago. And so I'm going to take a realistic stance to say, wait a minute, Plexico had a good reason to be carrying a gun. Yeah, I'm not That's tripping what? on Plexico. Oh, I'm not tripping on Plex. I would have been okay. carrying my gun, too. 
Absolutely. And we know the world, we know the world that he's living in. So we can take uh, uh, ESPN point of view and go, why would you be carrying a gun? But come on, let's be realistic. He had every reasonable and, and rational reason to be carrying a gun if he went out. Now, is it legal? No. But you know how it is. There's nothing smart. They're like, it's a big deal to rob a star athlete. It makes you a star. So he wants to go out and hang out. And he happened to be carrying his gun. Now, the only thing he's done that other athletes didn't do was drop the gun and shoot himself. But he's not the only athlete that's carrying a gun. I, I would assume a large, as a matter of fact, they were saying this. They were interviewing the coaches. And there's a one coach who was the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't think of his name right now. He's always on ESPN. He's a really good guy. Herman uh, Edwards? Herman Edwards was saying, he said over 50% of the athletes carry guns at all times. Fact. Fact. The people I know, all my friends carry guns. Mm-hmm. And they still do. <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't have a problem with you. I'd rather, again, be judged by 12 than carried by six, and especially in that world because uh, I've seen it firsthand being out with guys. like guy, it could, And because they're bigger, some of the local guys want a name and stuff like that, and they're going to test them. So I don't have a problem carrying a gun. Maybe have it on safety, get you know, whatever. I don't have a problem with that, but the fireworks, I think, is just an unwise decision. I, that's why, going back to your question, I think is a difference between carrying a gun and playing with fireworks. But uh, we're going to go into break and talk a little bit more. Um, go ahead and go get your drink on of Kool-Aid. I went to Lolo's, by the way, a couple days ago. So, uh, But we'll be back. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you ready to talk sports with a passion get ready for cheap shots with luther broughton and micah warren we'll start off with the nfl pretty much always but the talk moves along from there we'll talk about the events of the week opinions from the big names and predictions of what's to come plus we'll get to hear from you the ultimate fan don't let the name of the show fool you we're in it for the good stuff Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144, 1-888-346-9144, or send an email to jdharris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, we're back, and uh, we're going to stay on the NFL for just a little bit longer. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up, uh, Jim Faso and some of the other people I know, they're actually trying to do another uh, NFL developmental league. I think um, 
from my perspective, I think it's a good idea. I think that all the other sports, you know, baseball, uh, NBA, I just think that the NFL needs a league that goes congruent with the NFL season so they can farm them in almost like the minor leagues or, you know, double A, triple A, where, you know, they can send a guy back down or bring a back guy back up. Um, what, are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? And, you know, and what are your thoughts on it? And do you think it can be successful? You know, I, I totally agree that uh, there needs to be some type of farm system uh, for, you know, guys that, you know, have aspirations to get to the league. I mean, you look at, you know, like you said, all the other sports, uh, basketball now with the NBDA, which has proven to be successful because there's been guys that have been called up and they've been be- they've become, you know, prominent members and, and key pieces to uh, organizations. The same with, uh, you know, the NHL and, and their, you know, farm system. Um, so I think it's definitely a good, good thing to uh, get set up, um, especially with so many people, you know, coming out of college and, and, you know, wanting that chance to play professionally. And, you know, they just need a chance to, you know, get them get their, their feet wet and work them work their way up if possible. So I, I'm totally uh, for it. Um, I, think, I think there is a developmental lead. It's called college football. I mean, it's different than basketball. One, you can't leave after one year in college. And two, you're probably not ready. Um, I, I, I would like for there to be a developmental league because that means you'd have more opportunities for players who could grow into the position and, and then you'd have better players coming into the league right away. But the lifespan of football is so short. So if you take another two years and, and the person goes through that, how long would they actually play in the NFL? Then you talk about injuries. Then you talk about where would this be? And, and they've tried over and over and over again to be successful. The one thing, the difference between football and basketball, when you talk about developmental leagues, leagues, is that people only want the best of the best when it comes to football. We won't even watch Canadian football. We won't even tolerate flag football. And flag football is fun. We don't care. If it's not the best, the fastest, the biggest the most accurate, we don't want it. We don't take second tier. As a matter of fact, we won't watch Jacksonville Jaguars. We won't even watch a game <laughs> that they're a part of. We barely look at Kansas City. Just like five years ago, people realized they had a team. I can go on and on and on. So, we do not tolerate second tier football in this country. And I agree. That's why I thought the NFL Europe was a good idea. I think the only issue was they were trying to use it as a marketing ploy. And I think that if you're going to what you're saying, fans aren't going to fill the stands with it. That's why all these other leagues have failed. Uh, but if you're taking an approach that you're going to put bare minimums into it, just operational teams, maybe a four or five game uh, season where, you know, every two weeks of an NFL uh, week, there's, uh, you know, a developmental game. And then those guys play almost like a JV schedule. Uh and the expectation is not to have uh, stands filled, but it's kind of more or less funded by the NFL or, you know, these other things with sponsor leagues and stuff. And maybe the people who are development, developing new equipment, stuff like that, then I think that a league like that could sur- survive. And I would still do it in Europe, just knowing, especially now, how involved they are with football but before the NFL was losing like $31 million a year with NFL Europe, but they tried to, you know, really market it. And I think that's where they failed. Mm. 
I think the best thing that they had going that, that could have been awesome was when the WWF XFL. The XFL, that was crazy. And it didn't make any sense how stupid it was, but it was entertaining. Like that the he hate me? Yeah. What? His name is He Hate Me? And mm-hmm. Dude was actually good. Rod Smith or Rod uh yep. But the problem was this. They tried to start off as a full-fledged league, and nobody was in shape. They didn't have enough athletes. So you had four or five stars that you knew. This guy's like, he hate me, was actually a really good running back, right? No, I he, think was, he played in NFL. He was a receiver. Yeah, a receiver, okay. Yeah, you, you had those different, those different players that stood out that were really good, and you realized that they just opened up too big too quickly as opposed to saying, wait, let's start off small, let's build this up, and I think right now they would still have a following. That was the closest thing to being successful to a farming system. Well, you know, NFL. I don't know if you know, but Ray played in the league uh, in the XFL. And one mm-hmm. of the things was Vince McMahon's un like a lot of stuff that they did in that league actually eventually carried on to the NFL with a couple of the things like the camera angles and stuff like that. Um, I it was I forgot the reason what uh, he had shared why it kind of folded, but it was something with like Vince McMahon wasn't willing to compromise with. But I agree that that would be exciting. I just don't think like for example like the arena football. Who watches arena football? I do periodically. I'll I, check it out. I, I do when there's nothing else on TV. Yeah, I'll go to a game every now and then because it's really cheap and it's almost football. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I've gone. And I'm not going to lie, I'm like, okay, this is like, I would rather go home and play Tecmo Bowl than to sit here and watch this game. But Really? Yeah, but to bring kids there or something like that, sure, let's go. But yeah, it just, because of, I guess, it seems like you're so limited in strategy because your jack linebacker can only go here and there. It's not enough moving parts for me. So I get frustrated from a football perspective, so I'd rather play a video game. I would rather. But you know what? It's 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 fast. The scoring is quick. The hits are quick. Um, it 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 has its it has its purpose. It's not the NFL, but it can be semi entertaining, especially if you go. It's a family oriented thing, and it's inexpensive. They're shooting T-shirts all over the place. The cheerleaders are coming out every fifteen seconds. Like literally, somebody could be in a play, and cheerleaders are run out on the field, and then the players have to stop. You can't really be mad at that. <laughs> you, you, you have players going two ways. I, you know, it's just it's just exciting. Like the rush, they had a really good team in Chicago, and uh, I think they won the championship a couple of years. I had some friends who were playing on the team, and I got some free tickets, and I went out. I was like, "Hey, this is okay. This is not that bad." So I think it's got its place. Yes, yeah, not the NFL, but it's fast and it's a lot of points, and even the extra point, the kick. And then kicking off the net and catching it and running around, it's got some. It's got some stuff that's worth it. Yeah, I think you have to go into it <clears throat> knowing that it's it's a different game, and I think when you do that, you you'll be able to you know tolerate it uh, more. Well, I ain't up to all that. But speaking of leagues and developmental and stuff like that, we're we had the uh, NBA kicked off his summer league. Reese, you know, let's talk about that a little bit, man. Well, I mean. Uh, what, about a week and a half ago, they were in Orlando. Uh, we saw uh, Okafer for the first time in uh, Utah. They, they had a short stint in Utah, and now they're in Vegas. So everybody's <clears throat> paying attention to what Okafer is showing, uh, Towns and uh, uh, Russell. 
But for the most part, Oakford's been consistent. Towns has been up and down a bit. And uh, actually, the Lakers fans have been a bit disappointed with uh, Russell's performances. Uh, he's, he's had a high turnover ratio uh, the few games that he's been playing. So, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. Oh, no. So, based upon what you're seeing this summer, who are you looking at? Uh, what teams are sticking out more or less for you? What players are sticking out like that's going to be that dude? Coming into the season, who, who are you looking at? Now, What's going are, on? are we talking about the results of free agency or the all draft? the above? Just the league and what's what's manifesting? Well, uh, well, I mean, right now we have to look at San Antonio as like a favorite coming out of the West with the acquisition of uh, uh, Big Man. Uh, my mind is drawing a blank right now. Uh, what's the Big Man? <laughs> my mind is. Drawing- Oh God, this is crazy! The big guy from uh, Portland. <laughs> oh, man, we're we're getting old because this happens. Right here, brain cramp. <laughs> brain cramp. Uh, so you're you're going to say, uh, and Tim Duncan is still playing this year, correct? He yes. didn't retire. Duncan's going to be there. They've also acquired David West from Indiana, uh, so they're locked and loaded for uh, a deep run. And, you know, it all depends on matchups in the playoffs anyway. I'm going to tell you right now, the Spurs are winning it next year. Yeah, I mean, they I, I felt like they should have been in a championship this year. <clears throat> I don't know about this year. Golden State was on fire from start to finish, and I thought, <clears throat> I thought Cleveland was the only team that could beat them. But what the Spurs just did by getting Aldridge and they got West, I mean, what they did was said, look, not only are we going to win it, we might break the record if, if Coach Pop, decides to play every game. I mean, they have a team that's, that's going to be fact. tough to beat. That's a tough team to beat. And I am i don't like the Spurs. That's the most boring team in NBA. They make Indiana look like the 95 Bulls that are so boring. But, <laughs> Man, let me tell you, but if, if you have kids, you know, they're boring. But if you have Fundamentals. children and you yep. want to show them exactly how the game is supposed to be played, let them watch the Spurs. So you have the Spurs. Who else? I think Cleveland's uh, going back. We know Cleveland's going back from the, from the East. Yeah, definitely Cleveland. But I'm, I'm going to say something about the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference has gotten a lot better. Uh, one team to really look at is Milwaukee. Because yeah. if, it, if it wasn't for uh, what's the young boy Jabari Parker going down early in the season. They would have been, they would have they been would, against the Cleveland. Yeah, they would have beat the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So with him coming back, and they also just acquired uh, Monroe from Detroit, uh, they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, another team, Miami. They are loaded, and nobody's paying, really paying attention to. Them. Who they, they have? Uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, and who else? Well, they they re-signed Goran Dragic. Uh, of course, they got Wade. Uh, they got dang, but they got this rookie, Winslow, who I believe is going to be the truth in the next two to three years. He's versatile. He can play four positions. Okay, because so, I was about to say, you still, I mean, I love the young Dwayne Wade, but can he last a season and can he give it, give them what they need? Well, they got I, enough that they, they can let Dwayne Wade chill and take those exactly. games off. The Bulls, don't be surprised if the Bulls show up third or fourth in, in the conference this year. I can see that happening, and you know, as a Bulls fan, the one thing that I wanted to see in summer league is McDermott. I really want to see him get playing time, and I, I think with uh, Hoiberg, 
you know, as a head coach, he's going to find a way to get him into the rotation, uh, unlike uh, that other coach. Uh, I couldn't, he should have been gone two years ago. Thibodeau? Tip? Yeah, Thibodeau. He should have been gone two years ago. Oh, wow. Hey, we got to come back and talk about this. Uh, We're going into break because Reese done started some trouble, and I want to hear what he got to (laughs) say. So we'll be back. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports are you a real sports fan get ready to talk football and anything else sports with kwame lassiter formerly with the arizona cardinals san diego chargers and st louis rams kwame's got the experience so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on kwame lassiter's sports talk It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, thank you, Tamika. During break, we had some controversy going on. Reese, l- l- let's bring it up. Talk about your, talk about what we were talking during break. Well, I, th- I think we uh, left uh, for break talking about Thibodeau and how I felt that he's been gone about two years ago. And the reason for that is because, you know, when management approached him, uh, I don't know how many years ago, two, three years ago, and this is when they fired his his boy, who was also a defensive coach, and I think that's what created the rift between uh, Thibodeau and Gar Foreman and, and Paxson, is because they let uh, one of his friends go, who was also a defensive-minded coach, but they let him go and 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 told him that he has free reign to go out and find an offensive-minded coach because we know that uh, over the last few years up until this past season, the Bulls were top one, top two defensive team in the league for, I don't know, three, four years. And there's other reasons for that, but their shortcoming was always offense. So they said, hey, Tibbs, go out and get an offensive coach. What did Tibbs do? He said, no, I'm going to run the show by myself. 
I'm going to call the plays by myself. Now, here's why I'm siding with Tibbs on that. Because I understand his perspective. Now, first of all, let me just say, I'm not a Bulls fan anymore. I'm not a Tibbs fan anymore, right? So let's put that on the table. But his thinking is right. Because an offensive coach isn't going to help you beat LeBron. And so it didn't matter if he went out and got an offensive coach. As a matter of fact, you guys will see it this year. They're going to have all the offense in the world they want. And LeBron's going to be able to do whatever he wants to do. And no one's going to be able to stop him. If you look back at the last two to three years when when they've met Ron in the playoffs, it's not like those matchups those those matchups were blowouts. They were those games were were decided with two to three possessions, three or four possessions at the most. Okay, yeah, I agree. Now, now, now go ahead. Keep talking. Now let's let's look at just a simple simple thing like shot clock violation. I mean, something as simple as that, that's from not being able to run a legitimate offense. When when you have guys, Derrick Rose as an excuse over the last two years because he hasn't even played. So why is there not ball movement? Why is there not more creativity on the offensive end to create easy buckets, to get guys open? So, I mean, th- these are things that you have to really look at when critiquing Thibodeau and he dropped the ball offensively because he refused to go out and get an offensive guru to give him help on the offensive side of the ball. They should have brought Nate Robinson back. I I, I mean, but I'm going to say this. Damon Dash is not liking what you're saying, Maurice. <laughs> Damon Dash don't know basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but, Tyrus, I'm kind of with you. I think that sometimes good defense creates offense. You know, I mean, if you're building a team to be, you know, get the transitional offense and run and gun or playing, causing turnovers. And now to go more or less with Tyrus' point, what are the Bulls going to do in that playoff when they have to line up with LeBron? And I thought, like, if they would have even kept uh, your boy that went to Miami, um, Dang, dang, Mm -hmm. I thought he gave them, no one stops LeBron, but you can impede him a little bit. You can slow him down. And I thought Dang was that guy a little bit, a combination with the guys they had. But you can look at, you know, this uh, past matchup uh, this year. I'm, I'm screaming at the TV. I'm talking to my brothers. I'm talking to my dad. I'm like, why is no coach, no team in the Eastern Conference doing what Rick Carlisle did to uh, Miami the first year that Miami uh, made it to the uh, championship? Yeah, but, but here's the problem with that. That's a different LeBron. You, can, you couldn't do that to him again. If you notice, every year LeBron gets better and he changes his game. So it wouldn't have made sense. If he faced the Mavericks again, he would have beat the Mavericks, even with that structure. But here's the thing that we're ignoring. The problem, you, you, you brought this up, and so you said, oh, they lost each game by a few possessions. I would slightly disagree with that, but let's say that's true. So imagine if you take the defense away. They still lose those games. It's not like you were going to out-offense Cleveland or out-offense Miami. That wasn't what was going to beat them. The only thing you could do is figure out a way to stop LeBron, figure out a way or to slow him down, figure out a way to stop Wade. That was it. And this year, here's the crazy part. This year, it was LeBron by himself, and he still beat the Bulls. The reality is is that the Bulls are not that good. It's, and Thibodeau's coaching is what made them relevant. I agree. 
They're not I, that I, good. They're not a good team. I, I, I disagree with that from this standpoint. To LeBron, to be a LeBron team, you have to make LeBron the sole score on it. I could care less if LeBron put up 60 points a game. True. As long as you're shutting down the J.R. Smiths, mm-hmm. the, the Kyrie Irvings when he was playing, the, the Shumpers, the, the uh, Tristan Thompson. The, so watch the this. Who, who was so, able to do that? Who was able to do that this year? Who was able to shut what, down everybody else? What I'm saying is do not double off because LeBron is – look, LeBron is a point guard in a power forward's body. Thanks. Okay. Let him, if he wants to back guys down and score two points, let him do it all day. But you have to lock up everybody else because he's, you know, at the best, he's going to, what, shoot 60% if he does that, 60%, 75%. But you're, you're, you're doubling off of guys and giving up wide open three pointers to Della Dova? That's a problem. Wide open but it, three. It was the Bulls who gave it up to him. No, I mean, but I, that's. But this is what I'm. This is what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm listening. Even, even with even with a defensive-minded coach like Thibodeau, this is and this is why I brought up uh, Rick Carlisle that year because what did uh, Dallas do? They zoned I, up. When, 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 that's not that's not a vibe. I, I hear you, but I'm disagreeing with that because it's a different LeBron and it's a different team. You're talking about his first year with Miami, who he was then and who he was this year. He's a completely different player and a much better player. So to say that you could have ran the Carlisle, Car, uh, Carlisle defense against him and beat him is I don't agree with that. I no, don't think anybody agrees with I, that. I, I don't think you I don't think you're you're understanding what I'm saying. Carlisle it was the only coach that has played a LeBron team that and, and San Antonio also that switched defensive looks. They didn't stay they didn't stay with man to man. They didn't mm-hmm. look to double down. They didn't look to, you know, run a guy to the opposite, you know, to, to strong side block to show and get back. They didn't do that exclusively. They mixed their defenses up. So it's like you know, on, the football t- on the football field, what does a good defense do? They mix their packages up, Fact. and the Bulls refuse to do that because Thibodeau is absolutely stubborn, just like Lovey Smith was stubborn when he was in Chicago. Dang, you said that with passion, Reese. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, to me, I, I, I call, I call, I've always called Thibodeau the Lovey Smith of basketball because he believes in himself and he believes in his defensive philosophy so much to the point where it fails because he's not flexible and he's not uh, uh, agile in terms of making changes. Well, I want. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what I'm going to say is this: I believe. And y'all, I believe today we had a good show. We're about to go and uh, close out for the week. But, man, fellas, we got to get on here again. This was some good debating. Uh, Tyrus, thank you for your comedy. Uh, you still have your website up. You got you guys got to check out his art. And Maurice is an architect. You guys got to see some of his work. And then there's me. <laughs> so, uh, and Ray is, meanwhile, modeling some underwear and stuff like that and so uh but we'll be talking hey guys thanks for coming in i really appreciate you taking time from your families and uh coming up in a cave ordering pizza and ribs you know all that stuff man i ain't get none of that you fasting (laughs) (laughs) hey but uh thank you guys for checking in and uh listening to us and we'll be back next week 
Thanks for tuning in to the Man Cave. Peace. All right, we're just about out of here, but make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Ray Austin on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.